I'm matchmaker Maria, the founder of Agave Match. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions and interview experts to give you the tools to find or keep the love of your life. This is Ask a Matchmaker. This is the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria, and this is a hotline episode. Hotline episodes are, well, they're recorded live on a Zoom and people get to call in or send their messages. And every week I have a special guest joining me on the hotline episode. And this week's guest is the founder of Carolina's Matchmaker and the host of Love on the Go podcast, Lori Burzak. Lori, welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker hotline. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I should also add the title that like Lori is a very good friend of mine. If not, like she's my inner circle. Yes. Soul sister. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. I'm excited. A few things that have happened this past week. Okay. Did you hear what the surgeon general said this week? Do you follow stuff like that? I, I do. Um, if it's on TikTok. <laughs> this was not on TikTok. Maybe I'll make a TikTok after this, but the surgeon general says that Let's loneliness hear. is as deadly as smoking. So a new report finds the lack of connection connection is killing us and suggests ways to fix it. Now I'm going to be quoting from a Vox article. I think they did a great job at like conveying the information given by the U S surgeon general, but mm-hmm. the U S surgeon, this is, um, this was written by Dylan Scott, who covers healthcare for Vox. Um, so the U S surgeon general is sounding an alarm. Americans are more lonely and socially disconnected than ever. And it's a serious threat to their physical and mental health that demands urgent policy action. A new report from the surgeon general says that the social intel insight, that social isolation effects on mortality are equivalent to smoking up to 15 cigarettes every day. Wow. Social isolation and objective measure of lacking connection to families, friends, and community and loneliness, a subjective measure of feeling disconnected contribute to a person having a higher risk of heart disease, stroke, anxiety, depression, and dementia, and make people more susceptible to infectious diseases. There's way more to this article. You can find that on Vox.com. It was written by Dylan Scott. In fact, I'll include the link in the show notes. Let's talk about this. Yeah. And we we've heard this before. Right. But, you know, what the impact of loneliness is. But unfortunately, I have seen firsthand this happening to, you know, some widows um, that I know. Oh, um, wow. You're going like far into this. Yeah. I, so I see it uh, on the ground of young men, you know, under 35, very mm-hmm. lonely. Mm-hmm. In some states, they're allowed to own guns. And those are typically the people that do the mass shootings. Yeah. Um, loneliness is is it's not just, you know, it's funny. It's equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes every day. Okay. Now smoke those 15 cigarettes every day in front of someone else. What are their risks hanging around, hanging around you? I think loneliness is, I mean, this is not in the surgeon general's report. There's other things that they've written in terms of policies. Um, but I do believe that loneliness and isolation, um, and the lack of community, it, it is uh, a precursor to violence against people around you. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, my only point about the widow thing is you can see it happen immediately. The sure all the different things that you just said um, instantly. But um, right. no, I totally agree. And there's so much depression going on right now because of the pandemic and 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 everything, uh, the whole rollout that it's very obvious that there is so much sadness and so much grief that people are feeling and there's, they don't know how to let it out. People don't know how to express themselves. They don't know how to create community for themselves. It's very, very sad. You know, when you have that kind of loneliness mm-hmm. um, and you know, what I see the after effects too, in this is that, you know, it's very hard to trust people mm-hmm. because you don't practice being vulnerable with people mm-hmm. um, yeah. and good dating habits come from a place of being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. It says here in the 1970s, almost half of Americans, 45% said they would generally trust other people. According to the surgeon general's report today, less than a third say the same, the amount of time that Americans say they spend alone every day has risen to nearly 30 minutes. Hmm. Um, the first year, there's a lot, there's a lot here. Yeah. And then, you know, the surgeon general report, it goes into like demographically too, you know, uh, someone's sexual identity, their race, Mm -hmm. their Mm -hmm. ethnicity, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, their, their social class, like all of these things will impact, you know, loneliness and the level that when someone would experience that. Um, and of course, you know, the pandemic has only exasperated the problem, just as you said, Mm -hmm. um, I feel very concerned about this. Yeah. And I'm also thinking about people are lonely, even when they're with other people too. It's not just about people being around you, that whole loneliness factor, Mm. because if you're not really even connecting with them and letting your guard down and being vulnerable, like you said, then you can still be amidst, you can be in a crowd and feel lonely. And, and you can look at some of what you were saying earlier with shooters or whatnot. I mean, some of these young people that are doing this, they're, they have community. I mean, they're going to schools They're They have families at home and you know, it's not the answer. What but is that's the not answer? community, right? Just because you go to school doesn't mean you're participating right. in that community. Right. But I mean, my, my point is it's just because you're around people does not mean that you have friends. It doesn't mean that you're connecting. Right. Yeah. That kind right. of thing. Uh, I was actually talking to my priest about this, mm-hmm. uh, before the surgeon general thing came out. Um, I was, baking baklava with him. That is the craziest sentence ever. Um, and while we were discussing, this is back in, uh, end of February Mm -hmm. and we were talking about this and I told him like, I, you know, I I can see the impacts of loneliness in the office. Like sometimes I meet people that, you know, um, they've been really isolated and Mm -hmm. I think it starts, it starts very young, the isolation. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this even came up was like him asking me like why I volunteer at church and whatever. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I, I see the impact that I have in teenagers now because we create this community here where people are volunteering, participating, just mm-hmm. kind of making those threads, you know, in the weave, very knotted and complicated, mm-hmm. you know, in a good way. I mean, right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to kind of step back, right. Like one of the things I was thinking about yesterday is like, we always think about how like the media or certain personalities on TV will quickly blame video games Mm -hmm. uh, when we experience like extreme violence. Mm -hmm. And I, it's not, I don't personally don't think it's the video games that are at fault, but I can see the causation. Like there's no correlation is an equal causation, right? So like, I think if you are someone who's very isolated, you know, you're not 
at tennis club. You're not in theater club. You're not at the wine tasting. You're not mm-hmm. participating. You know, you're not volunteering. You're not going to church. You know, you're not doing all these things that would create a sense of community mm-hmm. and you're doing thing activities that are, you know, more solo like video games. Yeah. Um, I can see the causation. That doesn't mean that that's what's causing it. That just happens to be the hobby that some of these people share. Mm-hmm. And I know someone will disagree with me on this because the people will say like, well, I have my friends that I play Fortnite with. And I, I was, appreciate that. I was that. thinking about that. You were yeah. thinking about that, right? I was because yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're not, they're not. It depends on what the friends are. I mean, like cousins, right. you know, doing it together or complete strangers. If you, if you know each other, if they're complete strangers, it's a different story. I'm really happy the Surgeon General's office is, you know, they've come up with like a poll, like they've come up with uh ideas. So mm-hmm. in the report recommends six pillars. Can I share them with you? Yes. So the first pillar, strengthening the social infrastructure, more communal spaces, more social activities, and a better infrastructure to help access them. I wonder what that means. Um, develop pro-connection public policies that account for the need to foster connection when passing laws or formulating regulations from transportation to education to housing. See, I wonder what this, I'm already at number two and I'm already wondering like, what does that mean on a policy perspective? For instance, if you're like a builder building new apartments, is there going to be like a regulation that says like you must have X amount of like common space, Mm -hmm. you know, like how does this. Yeah. Like uh, in Charlotte, they have a rule that all the, the first level buildings downtown, anything new that's built, the first level needs to be retail shopping and it's required to be like public spaces. Uh Uh-huh. I wonder if that's what it'll, it'll be similar to. Number three, mobilize the health sector, train healthcare providers to identify people at risk of isolation and better equip providers to connect patients with the other forms of social support they may need. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to take a lot of training. I feel like so much of that part of people feeling isolated. It's like, it's so escalated to like police officers instead of social workers going mm-hmm. to help people. That will be very interesting to see them do the third pillar. Okay. Fourth pillar, reform digital environments, require more transparency from large tech companies and establish safeguards, such as restrictions for young people that could ameliorate the worst effects of social media on vulnerable populations. Hmm. It's a big one. Number mm-hmm. five, deepen our knowledge, support academic research and public information campaigns to improve our understanding of the connections between isolation and health and make people more aware of the problem in the first place. And number six, cultivate a culture of connection. Use all of the vectors available from politics to entertainment to reinforce the values of connection and reduce the polarization that can lead to people feeling more isolated in our modern age. If you were the Surgeon General, what would you do? What are, what are, what are things that you might want to see? And I don't mean like in this theory perspective, give me like something that we could do. How are we going to solve isolation for single people? in Charlotte, in the city you live in? You know, they've cut a lot of funding at schools, like elementary schools in the arts. And I think Mm -hmm. that's such a really important way for people to connect to each other. Like I was in chorus and theater when I was a kid growing up, and that was a way that I made friends. Um, Sometimes people are really shy. So I think that maybe for, especially maybe for elementary school and middle school, like you're required to be in an after school activity. Um, could that's be such helpful, a great idea, right? Holy smokes. That's, that's when, that's how you learn to be friends. That's right yeah. there. Those ages. That's why it's so important. Mm-hmm. What else? That's such a great idea. 
Okay, good. Um, I think summer camp is a really good idea. And a lot of kids cannot afford to go to summer camp. And, you know, especially if they're from low income homes, they're really just sitting around the house. So, I mean, I'm just a huge uh, proponent for funding summer camps and getting kids out of the cities and into the country and let's create more camps, Maine and Massachusetts and all over where people can get away and just have fun, be, be kids. Um, I think that would be helpful. I mean, I know people that have friends still from their sleepaway camps um, and it gives the parents a break too. Um, Okay. So that's number two. Gosh, I'm on the spot in the hotline. You're doing um, great. How would I, thank you. How would I, I wasn't expecting you going to go to three and look at you. You're already about to go to three. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, it's something that I think about a lot as a matchmaker. I know that people are so they're so over online dating. I help people with online dating all day long, but there needs to be more events for people. They're really, they really do. I mean, it's hard for us to do it because we're working day in and day out trying to do all these individualized matching, but I'm talking about doing some more speed dating. Even it's interesting, Marie, I don't know if you've heard this before, but I'll throw an event. I had like 165 people with 72 on a wait list um, right before Valentine's day. And people still said to me, you know, it was hard for me to connect with people, even though they were in a room full because they didn't know how to walk up to people. They didn't know how to talk, maybe a little anxious, socially anxious or whatnot. So I think that creating ways for people to meet people um, authentically and easily would be a really wonderful way to, For and maybe it's community centers that do it. Maybe the Surgeon General pays money to the community center, JCCs and YMCAs and whatnot to have singles events. That's the first thing idea. that people cut. Or not even just like singles events, just like events. Like I, like if you were to ask me what I would do is like, I would start a campaign of street fairs Mm. and not, and not the street fairs that revolve around like a holiday, like Memorial day weekend or 4th of July when like, you know, that's really stressful. Like, no, like a campaign where it's like, you know, look, I live in the Northeast. We don't have squares like they do in Florida where you can all go to the town square. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very cold, but like, there is a place like, you know what I remember? I remember growing up, you know, living in New Jersey and the malls, mm-hmm. they were oh. like the indoor square. Right. Totally. I mean, and that was actually, even if you ask, like, I remember listening to an episode on 99% invisible podcast about the invention of the mall. I believe it's from an Austrian designer, mm-hmm. but it was supposed to like emulate a European square that just happens to be indoors with shops all around. And even when you look at a mall, that's what it looks like. Right. Right. And I wish like, there's no more events anymore. Mm-mm. And I wish there was like, this is like the meeting place. This is it. And I feel like that's, what's lacking. Like what you just said about community centers and having meetups. Yeah. Um, I would love to see a push on that because that does give people the opportunity to like talk to other people. Mm-hmm. And you know what? People suck. Like what you just said, I'm going to validate the shit of it right now. On Sunday, I went to see this uh, popular Greek singer mm-hmm. at this like Greek music hall in Queens. Mm-hmm. This is where else would it be? And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm looking around. I have a good spot. I'm near the stage, but I'm looking around and I see a sea of good looking Greek men, good looking mm-hmm. Greek women. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw one of my clients there. Nice. And, <laughs> oh, he was great. It was, um, it was awesome seeing him. Uh, you know, it's funny, this particular client, I had never met him in person before I had only met them through zoom. Yeah. So like when I saw him in person, I was like, holy shit, you're like hot. Like I had no idea. Like his, his two dimensional face oh is so different than too? his three dimensional body. I was like, <laughs> yes, it's so funny. Oh, but I had an idea. Keep going. Mm-hmm. But I do have a, another idea, but I'm looking around and like, 
I know it's really hard to tell when someone's like married at these places. Cause it's very crowded. You're not looking mm-hmm. at people's hands, mm-hmm. but I come from a place where I love analog dating. I'm, I'm extroverted. And as people were passing, I was just kind of like smiling. I was kind of like a doofus. I was like, huh, you know, like, <laughs> and, um, and you know, some guys started talking to me not just one, like a couple. And they were mm-hmm. like, I was just like, hi, I'm Maria. And like, just introducing myself. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're here to flirt or just to talk, but I'm yeah. looking around. I'm like, why is nobody talking? Mm. But then I had like at least a hundred people in that, you know, four hour span that I was there. You know, mm-hmm. some people recognize who I was in the community. Yeah. They were like, Maria, you got to introduce me to a Greek girl. Um, hi, it's like, look like around. literally you're tr- you tripped over three of them to come talk to me. <laughs> what do you mean? So, uh, yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, like, let's take it back to like the 19, like, what was it? The forties and the fifties where they used to have dances. State sponsored dances. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, it would be so fun. It'd be such a fun way for people to meet each other again and dance. Thinking West side story. See, I, I see how my little, my, my nephew now dances. He does the Fortnite dance. And I'm just like wondering what these kids are going to turn into in 10 years when they can't even sway their hips or just like, you know, <laughs> jumping up and down with one leg crooked. We need to go back to swing dancing. And yeah. That's the solution. That swing is, dancing. that's it. Um, shag. That's what it they do down south. It would be criminal for me not to, uh, we're going to switch topics for a second. Okay. It would be criminal right. for me not to ask you this, but you know, you're a matchmaker yes. and you happen to be Jewish. Yeah. Oh. Have you watched a Jewish matchmaker on Netflix? So Kevin, so my husband started watching it without me and he's, I've been busy every night this week. And I was like, I can't believe you started watching it without me. I mean, I, I messaged Aliza Ben Shalom. We've been friends forever forever. She's, she's, she's the host of Jewish. Yeah. She's she the has always wanted to do reality TV. Like I had Good a message her. from her from 2010 that was like, I'm looking for a couple that wants to do reality TV. So Good she's always her. wanted to do it. Good for her. Is right. I would chase that. Her. That's awesome. She did. She made it her mission. And I hear that she's come across really well. Um, I know somebody that works for Netflix. She said she saw like all the, all the shows ahead and it was done very, very well. She said she liked it even better than Indian matchmaking. Do you, it, does it take place in Israel or in the States? Um, I know Lisa lives in Israel. I think it's both. And it sounds like, well, you're asking me and I haven't watched it. So have you watched, I guess you haven't watched it either, Maria? No, I can't. I, I can't. Okay, I can't, can't watch right. reality TV. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, of all the dating shows, I'll probably watch this one too, because I think we need to Lisa. watch this one. It, like, it's, I'd be very curious, but you know, I always try to remind people like, what you see on TV is not an accurate representation of what I do all day or what Lori does all day, because the people that, you know, their work, these matchmakers are on TV are working with are people who wanted to be on TV. Yeah. And it's, that's like a whole different ball game. Right. And B the production will hone in on the ridiculousness of some of the requirements. Like, you know, today I had a client uh, he was renewing his contract, which I love that happens. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's such a testament to the service. Yeah. Yeah. And that just, Mm -hmm. just like, I'm just so happy right now. Cause he's amazing too. He's like incredible. I can't wait to set him up. Mm -hmm. Um, again, anyway. And so I'm speaking to him and you know, he, he's like 
I wanted him to renew. So that was like fantastic that it happened. Right. Mm -hmm. The phone call I had just like two hours before him, the gentleman that I was talking to, he was very specific with his criteria. Like okay. I was wondering, like, you know, what was last relationship was like, because mm -hmm. he was being very specific. Mm. And, um, because I have a big enough database and because I'm a professional and all that other stuff, it's like, okay, I'll work around those like strict parameters. Right. If this, if there was a camera involved, he mm -hmm. would be known for like these two words that he may have said that I completely glossed over because I was just like, okay, I need, just need to learn more. Right. And I only realized that when I started speaking to my next, my renewal client, who's like, I, I know his parameters. He's like a, you know, great, very grand guy. And mm -hmm. I'm listening to him talk and I'm like, oh yeah, that previous person was a lot more pickier. Like, you know, you don't think about it as it's happening is what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say. Yeah. Yeah, That's true. I, I definitely had to ask you about Jewish matchmaking. By the way, uh, there was a, somebody, somebody in the chat said that um, that they're going, they're currently headed to a swing dance with a live band in Austin, Texas, which is where my son lives. One of my sons. It's definitely still a thing in a lot of cities and a great social community. I love that. That's amazing. That is amazing. That's so beautiful. Have fun. I want to see pictures. And you like country I, I music. Guess. Yeah, but that's different from swing. I know. Right. But like, isn't country music, if you were to go listen to it, isn't it like a social activity? Yeah. I mean, all music is right. I just saw Taylor Swift. Tell me more. That was that. a social activity. But you did. So I got to hand it to you. You went by yourself. I did. I did. And I think that is amazing. I think more people need to hear this. That it's like okay I, to do things that you want to do by yourself. I did. I went by myself. I was having, it was in, so I live in Charlotte and it was in Atlanta and I had to buy the ticket off of StubHub. It was expensive. And I was like, I was having a hard time. I was going to buy a ticket for me and my friend to go with me. And finally, my husband looked at me. He's like, Lori, just buy yourself a ticket. Just spend the money. Get yourself a good ticket. So I bought myself like a club level seat ticket. And I spent the money I would have spent for both of us. I was going to wait till the last minute, Maria. I was like, I'm just going to oh, yeah. wait. Lori literally texted me. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to come to Taylor Swift? And I was just like, no. <laughs> And I love Taylor Swift. I, know I like do. all of her music. Hello, I have zero you interest would in love this show. I would have loved People, it. Nobody should miss this show. I mean, it is such a production. I can't, I, if anybody wants to see some clips, go to my, go to Carolina's Matchmaker and you'll see, I just did a really cool reel about it yesterday or two days ago, whatever, with like nine clips of music. I mean, the stage, the production, uh-oh. The stage, the production, their the the costume changes. She played for three hours and twenty minutes without a break, except for a costume change. Maria, See, she's a professional. That's that's called a professional. She reminds me so much of you. You're like the you're like the matchmaker Taylor Swift. That like you guys are like on the same level. I, I want anyone listening uh, who's hearing this. This <laughs> she says this to me all the time. Do. You're the Taylor Taylor Swift of matchmakers, it's and she's only talking from like a marketing perspective, which I think is crazy. So no. I went to a live concert on Sunday, and uh, I've never seen a whole room of Greek people learn to dislike a a singer in a matter of four <laughs> hours. Okay, so hold up, I have to talk about this for a second. All right, it's my podcast. Yeah. We're going to talk Go. about it. So first of all, I love Melrose Ballroom. Okay. <laughs> I just need to say that. All right. Melrose Ballroom is a music hall in Queens. It's in Long Island city. It is incredible At, from the outside. You think it's like a Verizon server building. There's like no windows inside. Okay. It fits like 2000 people. 
Um, you know, you've got live music, you know, people flying in from Greece. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about like nobody's, I'm talking about like big names, like mm -hmm. the Madonna of Greece, the Ricky Martin of Greece. Like, you know, I'm, I'm okay. using like, I'm using really dated examples, but like, yeah. just hear me out. Right. Yeah. So now usually when you go to Melrose Ballroom, the poster will say doors open at 11 PM show begins at midnight or like doors open at 11 PM. Cause you know, the show starts at midnight mm -hmm. um, and it'll go into like four or 5 AM. God. So late. So, and I'm talking, and this is like packed, like every time every show is mm -hmm. packed, the, there's like an adrenaline rush that happens to mm -hmm. be at these sort of music halls Yeah. because the other cool thing about it is like, not everyone's just standing. There's usually like tables and chairs and you've got bottle service. It's like really mm -hmm. nice. And you know, when the music moves you, you stand up and you dance on the table. It's like a whole, nice. it's a whole vibe. It's a whole thing. I love it. Okay. Okay. So I've been to a few people that I've seen. If you follow me on Instagram, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like I'll post about these things. I am like obsessed. Mm -hmm. Um, so Elena Paparizou is on her way now. Elena Paparizou is like a really big name in Greece. I guess the equivalent would be like Gwen Stefani. Cause she was like okay. a big singer in the two thousands. And now she's like a voice judge. So yeah. she's also a voice judge in Greece is what I'm trying okay. to say. Mm -hmm. Um, she also won Eurovision for oh. Greece in 2005. Okay. Um, and okay. Greece got to host for the first time and last time, uh, in 2006, um, okay. shout out Eurovision party, uh, this coming Saturday, May 13th so link in there. the show notes to register. Okay. So the space is amazing. Cause I was with Maria when she went to settle, uh, figure yeah, it all it's out. Amazing. It has a stage, a big screen. Oh. It's amazing. Okay. So we are there. All right. Now, before we get there, the, we bought tickets, um, and uh, the, sh it's set because it's the, so, okay, let me take a step back. I'm sorry. Okay. So this past Sunday mm -hmm. of when we're recording was the Greek parade. So Greek independence is usually March 25th for whatever reason they had the parade on April 30th okay. and the Melrose ballroom poster has Alana Paparizou's face on it. And it says after parade party doors open at six. So again, if you've been to Melrose ballroom, when it says doors open at 11, the show begins at 12. So I'm reading this poster and it's like doors open at six. I'm assuming the show starts at seven. Um, we're driving in from New Jersey in like downpour rain. And it's like seven 30 when we finally find parking. And we literally said to each other, do you think we missed the big number? We get in there and apparently like all of us were late because Greek time, I guess. And it was just really bad rain weather on Sunday. Anyway, we get in there. It's like kind of empty and like, there's no one playing music. And it's like 7.30. So I asked the person, I was like, what's going on? They're like, oh, the show's going to begin at 8.30. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, and I'm mm -hmm. thinking they're probably delaying it because of the rain. Like I'm not, nothing is connecting yet. So by 8.30, the club, the music hall is packed, like elbow to elbow packed. Suddenly a DJ starts playing. Then, uh, so what time do you think she came out on a school night? 11.30. Oh my God. Yes. You're like the first person to get it right. She came at 1110 oh and the whole time everyone's like, when is she coming out? When is she coming out? When is she like, it was like 830. <laughs> then it comes 930. Then it's 1030. And like, no one's out yet. So she finally comes out at 1110. She does the big number at like 1235. And then that was it. She was done. Usually singers there, they'll do like a four hour program. Uh -uh. She, yeah. And then I was just like funny, just watching people like, what the hell? <laughs> like we have to go. Um, you know, that's what Madonna did. She Madonna came out to it. Charlotte years ago. I went mm -hmm. and the concert was to start at eight. She doesn't get on until 1130. She, she had a DJ for an hour. And then we just all had to sit around and wait. 
and I was mad and it was a school night and I was pissed. But see, Madonna right. knows the American culture. So she should have known better too. Like Elena she's could wrong. like, I mean, she's really international people in Europe know who she is and stuff, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I was just like really annoyed by the whole thing, especially when, you know, we've seen other Greek singers come who are like professional, like, Oh, I'm going to come out at midnight. And now I'm like hating on her, but then she like shared my Instagram story. So now I just have like very conflicted feelings about this person. <laughs> Uh, All right. Let's take some dating questions. All right. Before we take in one of our calls, I have a written in question. You ready, Lori? I'm ready. Admitted to a really good guy friend that I had feelings. We've never crossed that line. He went through a really rough divorce, pretty bad mental health issues with his ex and is going through custody stuff. still. Hmm. he said, he doesn't even know if he's ready to date. We proceeded to cuddle and eventually make out. Then he slept over, but nothing other than kissing happened. I asked if we could go on a date, but he said, again, he doesn't know if he's ready or will ever be said he's broken. I'm disappointed and wish we didn't get physical. If he felt that way, have to believe when he says what he says and let it go. Question mark. I think she, I mean, come on. You already know the answer. To I this. know the answer, but Sweetheart. you need to say it. I'm not going to. I do. I mean, it's, you need to just let him go and move on and it's okay. Don't have any regrets. Don't have any remorse. Sometimes we just need to get out of our system. We need to, we need to have that hookup. You need to know what it felt like. Whatever happened, happened. It's over. Find someone else and be his friend. If it's too difficult, then maybe pull away a little bit. So that was her follow-up question. Just go back to friend zone and get past my feelings. Yeah. And the way to get past, it's so funny. I actually did a little reel that I'm going to post sometime the next week just about this. Yes. You need to cut the cord. And so there's three, three suggestions I have to do that. Number one, you need to, every time the thought of him comes into your mind, you need to let it go. Meditation helps with that. See the thought, let it go. Notice the thought, let it go. The second thing you need to do is get busy, do lots of things so that he's not like in your mind all the time. Number three, you need to cut the cord. There's an energetic cord that you have with him right now. You need to literally take out your, your scissors in your mind and cut it in order to move on. I mean, I would go as far as being petty and just text them. Like I need to block you for my own sake for a few months. I mean, I need that symbol. I need to say it out loud. Like, okay. That's me though. Um, I, I look, I 100% agree with Lori here. Um, uh, now if this person is wondering, well, what, cause I think that's what she says. Like, why would he make out with me? If he knew he didn't want anything, he made out with you and he cuddled with you because that was available. Yeah. Cause and, you're hot. And- yeah. I mean, I've made out with people that I have no intention of doing anything more than them. It just felt good at the time. Yeah. You're in the um, moment. Yeah. Who doesn't like a cuddle, but also <clears throat> I think when people go through divorce, especially if it's a nasty divorce, they are thirsty to have a different identity than the failed marriage guy, than Mm -hmm. the piece of shit guy, than whatever his ex-wife is saying to him via text message. Like if you have the power to make someone feel good, even if they don't want you, they're still going to grab onto someone else, making them feel good. It makes their ego feel good. Mm -hmm. So if you're wondering, why did he make out with me? It's because he wanted to feel good. And yeah, I'm it was sorry about, that he hurt your feelings. Yeah. I apologize. Mm-hmm. It's very it was selfish. About him. It was about him, not about you. Yeah, totally. Totally. And it's okay. It's okay. Like, let it go. Don't feel that re- regret and remorse. That's a waste of feeling. It's okay. And I also want to add that, like, 
he doesn't know if he's ready to date. If a person is saying that to you, even if he wasn't divorcing, yeah. if a man ever says, I'm not ready to date, mm-hmm. that translation is, I don't want to date you. That's exactly right. Yeah. Same thing for like, I don't know. I don't want to have kids. You're never going to be able to convince him of that. Don't even try. Move on. If that's yeah. what you're looking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. We got, we got calling questions. Okay. Welcome to the ask a matchmaker hotline. How can we help you? Um, I'm still trying to exactly formulate my question. Um, I followed the 12 date rule and I really enjoyed it. And I'm now three months into a relationship with a special guy. And we've been having a lot of fun going on lots of different dates. And once we decided to get intimate, things were great initially. And then there's been some um, erection issues and some premature issues and all sorts of things. And we are in our forties. Um, and it's sort of like, I'm experiencing like a 17 year old, um, experience, if you will. Mm, Yeah. And I've encouraged them to seek therapy and, um, I'm currently reading, you know, sex talks by Vanessa Marin. Um, and I think that, you know, I think we've been having some really great heart opening and interesting conversations around everything going on in the bedroom Mm -hmm. and they're open to seeing a therapist and have done other work around things, but, um, I don't know. I've just sort of in general wondering, like, are there any other tips out there, pun intended, um, (laughs) about, (laughs) about, you know, how else can I be supportive of this person's experience in the bedroom and also get in mind? So I have a question. It's, do you know if he's on any kind of, um, uh, any any kind of um, pharmaceutical drugs that would cause this? Yeah. So, um, I found out I work in the healthcare profession as well. I found out he was taking, um, acid reflux medication and he looked into it and that might cause some sort of erectile issue. So he's since stopped that, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that that's been, he stopped that about a month ago now. Um, and he's had no gastrointestinal problems because of it. And so, I know that he is also going through a lot currently right now. Um, when we started dating, we had a lot of very open and honest questions and he's been separated from his marriage for about three years. And when we started dating, he wanted to you know, date more exclusively after we got through the 12 dates and things like that. And I was like, that's great as long as you're starting to file for divorce. And so he's in the process of that as well as looking for a new job. So he has a lot on his plate as well. And so I'm not trying to be, I'm also a very impatient person and I'm not trying to be impatient with this. I'm trying to be patient with this mm-hmm. um, because they're very emotionally available and, and are available for all the things that I'm truly looking for in my life. Like I don't need kids. I need to have like an, an adventure partner, if you will. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out how else I can show up for this person and also get my needs met around whatever they're going through right now. Lori. 
I'm just thinking this is such a strange thought that I had in a way, but I feel like his premature ejaculations are correlating with his premature, uh, the fact that he hasn't gotten a divorce yet. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there's some symbolism there um, that's kind of below the surface energetically, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, and does he drink or smoke weed or anything like that? Is there anything else that's preventing Is he depressed? Him? I mean, yeah, yeah. depression <laughs> can definitely impact a lot. Can that a lot of pressure can create that those problems in the bedroom? You've seen him okay in the past, and then all of a sudden he's not. So it was okay in the beginning, and then it changed. Yeah, so I mean, something, it's this is all mental. What's going on? Yeah, right yeah, yeah. I I agree that it's all mental. Yeah, um, yeah. I would say. I'm sorry, there were like three different questions. <laughs> um, could you repeat one of them, Laurie? Sorry. Um, the, is he smoking weed or is he drinking? No, um, okay. he doesn't come from a culture okay. where that's cool um, and okay. doesn't drink or smoke or, and doesn't do anything of the sort. Neither, neither do I. So Okay. I like already have formulated my, how I would answer this. Go ahead. Um, I think you need to break it off. I think he needs to figure out his marriage situation, get the divorce, get that all behind him. And I feel like he's going to feel like a new person when that happens. And you'll either be available at that time or you won't be, or you could have an open relationship in the meantime, um, where you just say, I'm not going to be exclusive with you, but I'd like to see you, but that's hard for people to do. So Mm -hmm. I would say, set it down. I am never a fan of dating a, a separated man no matter if he's been separated for three years or not, that even says something like mm-hmm. what's going on here. So not to be, I'm not being judgy, but I'm just saying, cause this is about you, not about him. Yeah. And right now your needs aren't being met. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's my answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, how, how long ago did they separate? <clears throat> they separated several years ago. They were in an arranged marriage in Iran. Okay. Mm. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to be also, I'm trying to hold the cultural relevance of like, I am definitely a white lady Mm. and I'm not trying to, you know, innervate like the cultural practice of arranged marriage when that is not my culture and, and trying to, to say that, you know, I, I appreciate Laurie, your, your opinion and also when I am not from a culture where arranged marriage is the norm and somebody else has been in an arranged marriage where they have to be set up mm-hmm. to actually like to go through a divorce is also hard from when, when you're like in the universe and it's far away, but, um, it's, I'm trying to Did be he tell you this. Different. Are you, these the words he used to explain the situation or are these your words? Um, these are my words. He explained the situation like this, the person that he is separated from and he is now divorcing, are, it needs to be quote unquote set up in their life. And I was like, well, that doesn't really mean anything. So as long as you're starting the divorce, like then we can proceed here. But um, so he's in the process. He, he started that preparation two months ago. Hmm. There's probably some guilt going on. Yeah. There's a lot of emotions running through this. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you really like him and you don't want to break up with him and focus on you and attracting people that are like 
physically present, both literally and figuratively speaking, um, I highly recommend couples therapy right now. Yeah. Because that's the only way you're going to get through all of the tangled emotions that this person is likely exhibiting towards you. Mm -hmm. I think the only place they feel tangled is currently in the bedroom. Otherwise they show up in all other aspects then, then you should, I mean, but that's the thing, right? The problems in the bedroom, they're, they're probably tangled to other emotions that are happening in his life, mm-hmm. you know, uh, impotence or premature ejaculation. Those things don't happen necessarily in a vacuum to men in their forties. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. other things, right? Exhaustion can be one of them. Depression is another one anxiety. So it's like, which of these doors are we walking through here? Mm-hmm. And that's something that he needs to figure out. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for your question. Thank Thank you you so much. So we got a writing question, Lori. I'm 31 and boyfriend is 32 and is finally about to propose after I've been discussing and hinting for the past Mm. year. I've been together for almost five years. Mm. Now I'm questioning if he's only doing it because I kept hinting or if it's genuine. Each time I ask him, I get the dodge around. I raise the question of compatibility and he replies that it's been five years and we have a, if, and we have a problem, if we don't, then he always drops the topic or soups under the rug. How do I approach again without him having his guards always up? I have thoughts. My thought, I I would love to hear yours first, Lori. Why not? Okay. Well, my thought is you don't have to hint. This is a partnership, hopefully for the rest of your life. So it should be a conversation. Like, you know, let's talk about this. You know, do we want to get married? What does our timetable look like? Let's, you know, how do we want to, do we want to raise a family? Like bring it all out in the open. Oh yeah. I would not dodge around. I would even like hinting is like, it's just not hinting is so not necessary. Anytime Mm -hmm. I hear a couple tell me that they were so surprised when they got engaged to, I'm like, you're lying because if you really were surprised, you were probably not ready to get engaged. Like you (laughs) need to have a thousand conversations before that ring is presented to you. And those conversations are they should be easy to have. You've been dating for five years, it's like which is fun. like, yeah, which is, and it's not, the questions are not like, what kind of wedding do you think we'll have? Uh-uh. The questions are not, you know, what venue do you think we should book? It's not about the wedding. It's about mm-hmm. the marriage and like the mm-hmm. partnership. And, mm-hmm. you know, one way to start bringing those things up is to talk about your family. What are things that your parents, if you had the privilege of having both at home. And if that was good and healthy, what are things that your parents did that were well, and what are things your parents did that you need to unlearn? And then Mm -hmm. he can answer that question too. Like so much of what marriage is, is exactly what Laura said. It is a partnership. And that has the biggest effect on your mental health, on your Mm -hmm. financial health, on your physical health, on your emotional well-being, all of these things are impacted by who you marry. So hinting around such a big decision, it's just not necessary. But Mm -hmm. also, why do you feel like, I see here, you know, uh, what's it called? She's like, why? She says here, how do I approach again without him having his guards always up? So I think The reason why this person feels the need to bring it up again is because they're scared that they're never going to get engaged after five years. Mm. Which honestly is a really long time to wait also. That is a long time to wait. Mm -hmm. That is a very long time to wait. 
So, okay. She just asked the follow-up question. Oh okay. no. It's how do I approach if compatibility is still in sync without having his guards up? Why are his guards up after five years? Yeah. What are the guard? What's the guard? What is that? How does that translate? I think if, you know, if you're asking me like questions to determine if you're compatible, mm-hmm. um, it's actually quite simple right? Start talking about your finances to start talking about your emotional resilience. And if they're self-aware, these are the things that people divorce the most on are finances and emotional incompatibility. Mm. So start asking yourself financial questions. How Mm -hmm. do you envision using your money in your marriage that might have children? Mm -hmm. How do you envision taking care of your sick parents one day? How do you envision paying for your children's education? And start having conversations about those things because you will find your core values in those answers. Yeah. Raising Um, your kids in some kind of spiritual community. Yep. All those things, all those things. things. And it's not just about asking them those questions. You need to ask yourself those questions, have Mm -hmm. those answers. So that way you can have a conversation that's not reactionary on your end. If you're really trying to determine compatibility. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. Yeah. If you're, I mean, you shouldn't be with someone if you're scared to ask them perfectly normal questions, by the way, after five years. And also like, you should know that he wants to marry you at this point. Yeah. I feel very uneasy that it's been five years and he's dodging. Yeah. That's Um, unsettling. I'm, I'm sorry that's happening to you. Let's go to our next call in. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker hotline. How can we help you? Hello. Um, so I have to say, first of all, I'm a big fan of you, Maria. Um, so I'm actually nervous talking to you. Um, (laughs) but, uh, so I just turned 35 and, um, I'm single, you know, I've this year, I have actually probably dated more than ever in my life. Um, I'm looking for something really specific, like ethnically and the same religion as me. And I feel like, I've dated a bunch of guys and the someone who it didn't work out with is still stuck in my head. And I don't know, like, if I should just try to work it out again, because um, basically we had like two, two great dates. Second date, I felt like the conversation got really deep and it like seemed too soon for that to happen, but it seemed like it just happened. Like it flowed. Um, that was right before Valentine's day. So I had a feeling he was going to go MIA or something, but I, you know, I, I just, I had a feeling that that conversation was maybe going to scare him away. And it did like, he definitely disappeared for a couple what, of what days. What was the conversation? I don't understand. Like he, we just talked about like everything. Like we talked about like loss in our families. Like he's like a patriarch in his family. He talked about like, um, a past relationship like past relationship, heartbreak, things like that, things I didn't really expect him to like open up to me about. I felt like, oh, we're like really connecting. And in other ways, like we were really compatible. Like I I really like had like very deep feelings for him, I would say from just like a second date. Um, And yeah, he totally like went MIA right after the date. And then the day after Valentine's Day, he was like, oh, sorry, work has been busy. Let's plan something. Um, Then we like picked a date for the next week and he went MIA again. And I asked him like, what what happened? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm so sorry. I'm going to interrupt you. I don't think you should get back with this guy that's going MIA. So let's just move (laughs) on. But listen, you're talking to two matchmakers. 
Well, okay. Tell me a little bit about it. you. Just said you want to date in a specific race or something, or, or ethnicity yeah, so or religion. I'm, what is I that? I just turned. Uh, sorry, I just turned thirty-five. I'm Indian and Muslim, um, mm-hmm. and I would say I'm like pretty liberal in my views. So that's kind of been where my issue is. Like I usually find guys who are too religious or not religious at all. I don't, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of been the issue, but. Would this you date year, someone who's um, Indian and like a, a Muslim, but agnostic, like doesn't participate? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm I don't gonna go into my database religion. right now. <laughs> Where do you live? <laughs> I live in Brooklyn. I, um, I actually, uh, a matchmaker reached out to me through your database actually too this year. I feel like I've met lots of guys and I don't understand what's going on. Like, is it me? Would you date someone? Do they have to be Indian and Muslim or would you date someone who's Muslim? No just Muslim. I, I ideally they're South Asian. Uh-huh. However, so this, so I actually had a two-parter. Is it okay? okay. If I continue? No, no, please. Okay. So <laughs> this week I actually went on two really great first dates. Both uh-huh. guys like wanted to see me again. And like, you know, we talked about like days right away. Um, so one of them was supposed to be like this weekend and then Monday, but both of them like haven't texted me since it's very frustrating. Like, I don't know how to, how to put across, how to make them aware that that bothers me without sounding like I'm, I don't know, like, like obsessed or thirsty or, you know, like I, I don't, I don't, I don't like playing the game, this but is I, after also, first I want to be chased. Yeah. So, you like, know, I don't, Lori, I would love your input on this. So I don't think it's, I think it's totally fine if a woman asks a guy out on a first date. And I think it's totally fine if a woman even plans a date on a first date. I don't care if a woman asks a man out or plans date for the rest of her life. That just does not matter to me. What the one date that I think matters the most that I think, and it's okay. If you disagree with me, you have to tell me that you disagree with me. Okay. But the one date that I think is so important that a guy has to reach out, a guy has to plan it. A guy has to like make the step is the second date. Oh, okay. What do you think, Lori? Do well, you like agree? Or yeah, disagree? I do. I do agree. And I think that, well, it's interesting because I think it's okay to sometimes people say, Oh, it's, you should never text um, the man um, after the first date, but oh, I, know I don't plenty, mind. I don't care. About I know that. plenty of people that do that. And I also think it's okay. And you might want to use this like moving forward. You should tell them on the date. Um, I love it when, you know, I get text messages from men. So you can oh, you, just feel free to always, you know, if you want to text me or whatever, it's fine to say that how you like to be communicated with. But anyway, um, I think that you want it to be that they've been thinking about you so much after that first date that they reach out. And if they don't reach out, it's not called ghosting. They're just not interested. That's it. So don't chase them after that first date. Found someone. Okay, thank you. Who I think might be a match does that for make you. does that make sense? Or? Really, uh, Maria, I'm so interested. It does make sense. I have to find I out if he's single. Because last time I talked to him, he wasn't, but maybe he is now. So and he's <laughs> um, uh, he's he's Indian. He is uh, half Muslim, half Hindu, I guess. But his <clears> mom, his it's funny. Like I have it in his bio here. My mother is Pakistani and Muslim, and my dad is Indian and Hindu. My mom won what religion we were raised, and therefore I am Muslim <laughs> oriented. Funny. But I don't consider myself a practicing Muslim. I guess I don't eat pork. That's about it. That, that's how I feel as well. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I'm gonna email him today and uh, see if he's single, and then I need you to email me. 
and uh, let's make it happen. What okay. do you think, Lori? I, um, oh, good. I'm excited. I want to hear if this I am too. match works. <laughs> I want to see if it, I mean, I want to see first if he's available. If he's not available, then I'm fucked. Yeah. But maybe, uh, maybe, in that, maybe someone who's listening has uh, a nice South Asian man who is a who is who's Muslim oriented and interested in being set up, uh, email introduce us so I can set them up. And then we can all do a little, a little mitzvah as the Jewish matchmakers say a little blessing. You're living in the right Everyone's place. Everyone's invited. Oh, I want to Everyone's go. invited. It'll be a, everyone Everyone's will wear, invited to the, a, the, the bride wedding. will wear green. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, um, thank you, Maria. Absolutely. Thanks for calling thank in. You. Okay. I got one more question. One more question. All right. All right, Lori, I have the last question for the, for today's episode, dating a guy who has a lot of emotions, which is kind of refreshing after dating emotionally unavailable men, I've been getting triggered by his lack of emotional regulation and inability to effectively communicate his feelings. He's quote trying, and I know the effort matters, but I'm worried about falling for potential. Uh, cause I've been there. He triggers a lot of memories and feelings of previous gut wrenching heart by men that I ignored my intuition. At what point is working through triggers healthy versus unnecessary self-harm and abandoning myself? Mm-hmm. I think you, it says here, I've been getting triggered by his lack of emotional regulation and inability to effectively communicate his feelings. So that's the trigger. And she's saying, at one point is working through these triggers health healthy. There's nothing to work through here, right? It's not your trigger. If this person is in a bill and is in, unable to do those things, mm-hmm. you don't exist to fix him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know exactly what she's talking about. I've been in those positions. Mm-hmm. You will never regret leaving them. It needs to feel <laughs> right. Here's the two things. I'm sure you probably agree with me, Maria, that I look for when I set up a, a date, I want to hear them say to me that they feel they felt so comfortable. It felt like home. And they have to have a physical, excited, sexual feeling towards them. Those two things need to be there. The tension. Yeah. The tension needs to be there. The excitement that like, I want to kiss this person has to be there. And she doesn't, and she doesn't feel safe and at home. So one of the two ingredients isn't there. Let it go. I love that. That is, oh, that's such a brilliant and tangible way to think of things. And I love that. That's awesome. Thank you, Lori. You're welcome. Lori, you just did your first hotline. How do you feel? It was so fun. You see, it's right on the spot. No preparing. Just on the spot talking. I'm really happy you're here. Thank you. So where can people find you online? Um, At Carolina's Matchmaker on Instagram and on TikTok and um, Carolina's Matchmaker on Facebook. That's where you can find. And my podcast is Love on the Go. And I, and I usually just interview single people and we just talk about their experience being single. My first season was a lot of experts. Maria was on there. Um, and now I've just been sort of doing some local single stuff and people seem to like that. So that's awesome. Yeah. And thank you for listening to the ask a matchmaker hotline. As I mentioned before, I'm hosting the provision party. In fact, I'm hosting it with my producer, Matt Hayes. He'll be my co-host on Saturday at Ulysses Bar, which is on Stone Street. If you want tickets, there's a link in my bio. You can purchase those tickets and I will see you this Saturday for my Eurovision party. There's gonna be another 200 200 people there. Uh, What else, what else, what else? Oh yeah, if you wanna work with me, there's also going to be a link in the show notes where you can book 
time with me or a member of my team to discuss your dating goals. Let's get you in the relationship of your dreams. And that's it. Until next week, be lovable, but more importantly, be likable. Bye.